there are some requirements for him. And I'll go over the basic ones uh, before I read you the quote there. But um, to get insurance on CBD, you have to have a minimum of five acres planted. On grain and fiber, you have to have 20 acres planted. One of the new requirements this year is if you direct seed, you must have 1,200 plants per acre. Sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. IHemp Michigan is a member-based organization backing hemp farmers, seed cultivators, processors, manufacturers, and hemp businesses statewide. Our members are engaged in defining the path to success of industrial hemp from seed to sale and beyond. We are committed to empowering hemp farmers, fueling industry leaders, and educating consumers to ensure hemp flourishes in the Midwest. Our focus is influencing responsible and fair regulation, providing grower education, and enabling full access to the evolving marketplace. IHEMP Michigan advocates for wellness in people and the planet through hemp, and it begins with the farmer. Now, on to our show. All right, cool. All right. Well, let's, you know, let's talk some crop insurance. Eh? All get right. a, well, let's introduce our guests. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure, um, extreme pleasure, to be able to introduce our two guests, Scott and Eric Coville from Coville Crop Insurance. Uh, Scott has been doing this for quite a while, and uh, Eric, I think, has joined in on the family. It's a family kind of operation, and I'm going to let you guys talk about all the things you've been doing with that and how long you've been doing this, and I know that uh, that crop insurance, um, I'm a crop insurance adjuster that I do for another company, and um, there's no doubt in my mind that many, many times this crop insurance has helped save the, the family farm for sure, um, especially in 2012 when we had a, quite a frost freeze for fruit growers, and it's just a great product to have to be able to mitigate that risk that you have out there, because one of the things you can't control is the weather. So Scott and Eric, welcome to the show. And give us a little background of how you got into this and Eric, why you decided to hop on board and do this. So, well, thanks, Blaine. Thanks, everybody, for having us. Um, yeah, my dad started doing this in the mid 1960s. And so I basically grew up around crop insurance and I did see how it helped a lot of farmers save the family farm. And eventually, um, it wasn't my first career choice, but um, it was one one of my career choices. I made the change, I think, about uh, close to 20 years ago and started doing crop insurance, and I absolutely love it. I love being with farmers. I love helping them manage their risk. I love the, you know, my new logo is helping them sleep better at night um, So because the biggest thing farmers worry about is how am I going to pay the bills if the crops don't work out and we help them do that with the crop insurance. Um, it's, I, I just enjoy doing it. I don't, I don't see myself retiring because I love it so much. I love being with the farmers. So now I'll let Eric answer why he joined. So why I joined is I, well, I grew up like my dad watching him do crop insurance for a long time. But the reason why I originally joined was my first major in college was actually entrepreneurship. And I wanted to be my own boss pretty much. Hmm. Well, when, after my freshman year, I kind of realized that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you kind of just start a business. So I did change majors during college and got actually two majors by the end in marketing and logistics. 
but I decided after taking several internships at various companies that in a roundabout way, I still liked what my dad was doing. This gave me avenue to be my own boss and be a part of my family business still. So that's kind of how I, in a roundabout way, came back to crop insurance. Yeah. So shorter story than my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's really good. So how, how long, when did you jump into the business, Eric? Um, right when the pandemic started. Good timing. So, uh, great timing. <laughs> yeah. It made it a little bit easier to find a job. You know, back in a past life, I was a stockbroker. My first day on the job was Black Monday. So mm. I'd been I'd been a stockbroker for about two weeks when Black Monday hit. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Isn't that something? Yep. Yeah. It gets to be a small world sometimes, doesn't it? Tough, tough times just make you smarter, right? That's right. <laughs> so the, well, Scott and Eric, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, the crop insurance is really a lot more expansive than what people think it is, that's for sure. Of course, this show, you know, we're going to talk quite a bit about the hemp product. So maybe, I don't know, uh, you have a couple slides you want to show, um, Scott? Do you want to do that now or a little later on? I'll, I'll do I'll do it as we talk. Okay. When they, when they, when they come up? All right. Yeah. Okay. So what variety of crops do you cover? Um, let's start with that. Uh, the crops that are available vary by state and by county. The two biggest ones, obviously, are corn and soybeans. They're pretty much insurable all throughout the country. Those are the two biggest crops in America. In Michigan, we deal a lot with potatoes. Uh, Eric's becoming quickly becoming an expert on the potato business. Uh, I do a lot of uh, apples. I actually had a trade show this week on apples. Uh, it's all fruit, but apples are the biggest one, but blueberries and peaches and cherries and grapes. Um, and in Michigan, we have counties that insure onions and others that insure sugar beets. Um, I, I, I would I say mean, the, the lots state of Michigan, the, the state of Michigan is when it comes to crops, it's the second most diverse state behind California. Hmm. So there's a lot more in this state than besides California, but anywhere else that there's a lot more that we do have to learn than a state like Nebraska, who has very limited crops that they do grow, or Iowa, whereas we had to learn a lot more tropical, you know, fruits that aren't typically around a lot of states in the Midwest. So we do have to learn a lot more variety than other Asians in other states. So that'd be like uh, apples and cherries and blueberries and you know. Uh, all these different things that go into wine or whatever. There's a lot of stuff, right? Yes. Yep. So, so if marijuana is the third largest crop and how much, what's no, the third, cash crop in terms of revenue, not, not maybe in volume. But. Right. Right. So third largest cash crop. And what was the number? Um, I don't have that on the tip of my tongue. I just billion, saw that. Wasn't it? Yeah. What's that? Sorry again. Over 2 billion. Oh, yeah. And adult use sales. Oh, that's just the sales. This is the retail level um, there. Uh, oh, yes, last okay. year, uh, 2021, it was 1.8. They think it's going to be closer to three this year. But that doesn't you know, there's there's a whole bunch of grows that are getting started in Michigan right now. 
both so, indoors and outdoors. Yeah, um, so my, but my question to Scott along that line is, so if marijuana is the third largest cash, cash crop in a couple million dollars, how big is the agricultural market in Michigan? I can actually tell you that. I, I did not have this as a slide, but I do have a, a sheet. Um, in 2020, it was $8.2 billion. $8.2 billion. And the three largest were corn, soybeans, and potatoes. Now, Mike, Mike's saying that, and I don't know if the uh, cannabis will become part of this report, but I, I would imagine that cannabis would overtake potatoes and become number three. No small potatoes um, based there. On what he's yeah. saying. <laughs> Very good, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Somebody had to say it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I just I, I'll have to dig that story out. I, I don't know if it, we published that story about two weeks ago. Saying, okay. yeah. yeah. So. And, and there's actually right now crop insurance covers four point three million acres in the state of Michigan. Huh. Four point three million acres. Wow. Yeah. See, and we're we're struggling to get 10, 20,000 acres of hemp. Right. imagine between marijuana and hemp. Yeah, there, there's so much being added every year. Well, and marijuana right, tends to be an indoor crop. They don't right. want the cross, you know, yeah. pollinization no, and all that other growing jazz. outside yet. I talk to guys regularly that are still growing hundreds of acres outside. Wow, really? Good luck with that. I mean, uh, the yeah. MRA tests all that stuff. And boy, if you got all these bad things in it, it ain't going to get on the shelves. So, yeah. Well, eventually... It, um, we know that when FDA gets through everything and USA gets through everything to be able to allow us to use the hemp grain as a livestock feed, that it will very, very quickly um, grow, grow in the amount of acres that are going to be going right. that. And we know that there's um, you know, a lot of acres that are going for hemp for fiber this year. So it's coming. It's growing. No question about it. Yeah, you know. 2000. Yeah. I would I would like to think in the near future that hemp in terms of acres planted will eventually be number three. And that's more based on it becoming fiber. You can use that as feed. You can use CBD as part of it, but also part of carbon credits, what you were talking about earlier, right. that farmers can earn carbon credits back on their farm. And so it makes a farmer, for better, a more diverse industry that it'll help uh, f the farm survive when you have more diversity on the farm. Yeah, that's a big one. We've been talking about that is uh, the benefit of the carbon credits because a lot of industries need those credits and buy the credits. And so it's one more revenue source. Well, S Scott, do you see many of the farms, the large farms doing any type of regenerative agriculture? Is that because you know, I hear more and more about that, studying it, it it's really intrigues me. But it looks like these big commercial farms, they're just like, you know, plow it and spray it, plow it and spray it. It's, it's not at the point where it's cost effective right now. Hmm. And that's why um, one of the things, when, when I decided to push really hard into the hemp industry and get involved, Part of it was I could see hemp replacing a lot of the oil-based products we have. 
but it's not cost effective. So they haven't grown it yet. The same thing with the regenerative side that, you know, the carbon credits right now, it is so cumbersome to get credit for what you're doing. It's not worth it to a lot of farmers. Mm-hmm. Someday in the near future, before, well, it's 2022. So before 2030, all that's going to come to a head and everything will flow smoothly and farmers will start planning a lot more because the price points where they can make money and it just, it's all going to work together nicely. It's just not there today, but it's coming. And one thing that people who are watching can research out there about regenerative crops is that hemp can be used as a rotational crop. So in farming, you need to rotate. If you're growing corn on one field, you're going to need to rotate it because it drains up nutrients in the soil where hemp puts a lot more nutrients back into the soil and makes it a lot more fertile. So that's going to be a plus to the agriculture industry to get better yields, make better ground and give more back into the soil to make a better overall crop and just make the food in our country healthier that you do, you can use less sprays and you can put less into it because they'll more like less fertilizers. When you have better ground, you don't have to use as much fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to really help the industry as a whole when you could use as rotation. Yeah, less fertilizer means, means less runoff into our water supplies, right. which means we ingest less fertilizer in our guts, you know? So, yeah, I think it's important. Um, and is and that regenerative ag, isn't there, up? you have different levels. I was talking to Mark up in the thumb where he's growing some grain and he, there's up to seven rotations, you know, depending on the level of. Yes, you guys that, that, that'd be extreme is seven, but you're normally looking at least three in your rotation. And I, I think Blaine touched on something, uh, Michigan, we have a lot of dairy farmers in Michigan and they need the feed and when hemp becomes available for feed, that's why he was mentioning that uh, we'll probably see a lot more acres planted when that gets approved for feed, because then that can become the rotation um, after corn um, and help feed the cows, which is what they really want. They want the milk. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, but that's probably, you know, like you say, 2030, we should be there. I- yeah, I certainly hope so. It seems well, like a long there's, there's different kinds of yield. There's different kind of insurance available. Um, maybe we can touch on the different kinds there. I know we've got a yield-based one. We've got a revenue-based one. And there's also a, one that's just really on weather. Um, yeah. So let's talk about those. And let's talk about how that relates to, to hemp growers. Because um, I think there's some restrictions that people need to understand about uh, getting insurance on hemp crop. Okay. Um, can you share my screen? No, but you can. Okay. It's on the bottom. Green share button. Yep. Where is it? Share screen. At the bottom. Yep. Uh, share screen. Oh, share. Okay. Um, what I did was uh, Blaine mentioned that there are some requirements for him. And I'll go over the basic ones uh, before I read you the quote there. But um, to get insurance on CBD, 
you have to have a minimum of five acres planted. On grain and fiber, you have to have 20 acres planted. One of the new requirements this year is if you direct seed, you must have 1,200 plants per acre. Sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. No, it's not yeah. much. It, no, that's easy to get to. I could hand plant that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you must have a pr uh, processor contract, and you have to have um, grown at least one year of hemp in order to qualify for the uh, this insurance we're talking about, the multi-parallel crop insurance offered through the government. And oh, you also have to be licensed with the state of Michigan. Um, the uh, one year of crop in, or the one year of planting that you need, it does not, to, it could be 0.2 acres. It could be 20 acres. You can use that first year to try to figure out how you're going to grow it and different techniques to use. So you don't really need to fully dive in in the first year. There's no minimal requirements then. Okay. Correct. One of the things that you touched on, Scott, I want to make this a point because I know of a claim that happened where they didn't, where they, where they were going to do the processing themselves, and that doesn't really work. You need to have a contract with a processor or a buyer um, when you put this crop in, in order to have correctly um, done all the requirements for crop insurance. So yes. if you're thinking about doing it, make sure that you talk to a Either you have a contract for buying or you have a contract for processing and make sure you have a signed contract available. Just want to kind of drive that point home a little bit. I think we talked about this before. One insurance you do not offer is if your crop goes hot, right? That, that's not available? That is still correct. And that's where associations like IHEMP and others across the country are trying to get that THC level raised from 0 0.03 up to 0 0.1. And the going hot was a big issue the first year hemp was available. Farmers have learned how to manage that much better. And so there's much fewer acres going hot in a given year. And they, they've, some of the counties have also um, changed how they, in the beginning, if you had an plant go hot, you had to destroy your whole field. There are some places where you may, you don't have to destroy everything necessarily. Um, you can test more than once. Um, so, so they've made some tweaks to the rule, but yes, the basis of your question is you, if it goes hot, you are not insured. Uh, it's no, not a cause of loss. The reason yeah, why... Seems... Oh, go ahead, Kurt. Mike. I was just going to say, I was going to make a point as an outsider. It seems that if, if you're going to use it for animal feed or human consumption or anything that goes in animal bodies or human bodies, I can see that. But if you're raising it for textiles or, you know, these, the, 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 the hemp plastic type things, why would that, you know, it seems like that should be a carve out or something, right? It should Didn't be. mean to cut you off, Eric. So go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Uh, do you want to go on this point that I can circle back around? Well, let me just throw out there that I think there's a lot of discussion because even the 1% on the farmer side isn't really totally going to eliminate risk. What we really need is final product testing. So if I'm making Correct. a Frisbee out of the hemp fiber 
Of course, the bank still wants a THC report on the Frisbee. <laughs> it, just, it still cracks me up. But, uh, but you know, if you're making something not edible, you know, just a, a durable good, you know, there's a, there's a hemp Frisbee, right? You know, so, um, you know, what's a big whip? You know, you grow the fiber and you make your products out of it. And you shouldn't even have, have to spend thousands of dollars on a license. But uh, we're not there yet. It's going to take a while. No. And, and I will say this. Um, one of the things I've mentioned, I think, to Blaine in the past is the speed with which they've created the hemp policy mm -hmm. and expanded the hemp policy. If you haven't been in this industry for a while, you don't realize just how fast they moved on this. Yeah. This they are glacial in how they move things along in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and so for us to get what we got in within a year is they've never done that before with any crop. It, it's mm. just incredible. It never is never quick enough for the end user. <laughs> yeah. But from our end, it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> thank you now let's make it better let's address all these issues mm -hmm. um so be thankful for what we have is that what you're saying well i want to say be thankful but realize that yeah it's it's exceptional it's yep exactly so cool. and what i have on my screen did you have something you want to uh, add eric before i went over the quote uh no we, we move past it and I'll Okay. We're, we're okay. good. Um, one of the things I did is I just ran a simple quote today for Ottawa County, Michigan. Mm -hmm. There are, if you look over here, I have what's called a BU, which means basic unit. There are many different types of, you know, uh, Blaine touched on yield protection, revenue protection. Uh, there are a number of different things. This is just the basics though. For fiber, this is... Uh, the prices haven't been set for this year, but the quote I ran, fiber was at nine cents. Um, and what you're looking at is total premium. And this is the subsidy. The government actually subsidizes all this insurance. So this would be what the final cost would be to the farmer. Can you And how much cover they premium? have on 100 acres of land. So you're... When I look at that, the total premium column and the total subsidy is a subsidy per acre. Uh, in this case, it'd be the subsidy on the entire 100 acres. So you're paying $777 to potentially nope. get $458 back? No, you, you'd only be paying $319. Uh, on the if you had 100 acres, you'd be paying $319. And if you had a total loss, you'd get back $9,000. Oh, there we go. Okay. So I didn't understand the total premium and the total subsidy. So that's the total the, premium that's the is total of if the government was not involved, you'd have to pay this entire amount. But they oh, subsidize it. Subs so you the producer premium is what you pay. Thank you. I get okay. it now. And then I did the same thing with grain, which is at 55 cents. Um, you're covering a lot more you know, 20,000 instead of 9,000. So the premium's a little bit higher, 757. Mm -hmm. And then when you get down to the CBD, that's at $1.22. So for $6,000, you'd have $140,000 in coverage. Okay. Basically, 
Um, when I say we help you sleep better at night, $140,000 if you lose your entire crop, that can help pay to plan again another year. That can help pay some bills you have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why insurance is important. Blaine has been in this business for a very long time. I've been in it for a long time and we've seen people who would have been wiped out, lost everything if they did not have insurance. And the fact that the government subsidizes, just look on the, the bottom line here, yeah. the government's paying $8,800 yeah. out of a $15,000 premium. You're only paying $6,000. Um, sounds like a lot, but uh, if you don't have a crop, it can save you. And what is, What's the difference in the levels? Uh, coverage? If, yeah, 50% coverage, 60% coverage, 70% okay. coverage. Gotcha. And that's based on um, in Ottawa County right now, the average yield on CBD is 1,644. So 50% coverage, you're covering half of that. So 822 pounds. At 60%, you'd be covering about 1,000 pounds. At 70%, you're yeah. you know, 1,120 pounds or so. So that's all that is, is percentage. We can go from anywhere from 50 up to 85. 85 85 gets quite expensive, though, just so you know. (laughs) You lose some of your subsidy and it gets awfully expensive. That that last 15% is expensive. Exactly. Because that's where the losses are. A a good farmer tends to have their losses up in the 15% range, 20% range. Um, another quote I want to show you while we have the screen up is um, uh, weather insurance. Blaine, Blaine's talked on weather. Weather insurance, you do not have to have one year of growing history. And, once you, and you can insure it for different amounts. I ran this quote based on coverage of $1,000. It doesn't matter whether you're growing CBD, fiber, grain, direct seeded, not direct seeded, um, hand planted since Dave can plant a couple thousand tree or plants per acre by hand, he says. I can. Um, Done it. <laughs> I just entered a basic $1,000 coverage. So you're covered for $1,000. And the, the one I did, the one I quoted here was rainfall. And the premium on this varies based on um, the level of coverage. I don't want to get too technical, but basically the one I did at 120% would be $168 per acre. And these lines show you when, which years you got paid. The green years are the years you got paid something based on that. Hmm. And then there's also, if you go to... I did the 140%. It changed the graph a little bit. And there are not as many years that you got paid, but the premium went way down. And you still got paid over the last, looks like uh, 30 years, you got paid a handful of times. Um, but this is the what the weather insurance is. And I just did it on rainfall. Mm-hmm. You can do it on frost. You can do it um, lack of rain. Um, so, there, there are a number of different products you can get for rain or for the weather. 
I just happened to do the rain because excess rain. And I did it at a time period of, I think it was May, yeah, May 1st to May 15th, which means they just tracked the rain during that two week window, which is when a lot of people start planting and we can change that to May 15th, to May 30th. It, you know, you can pick dates. When are you going to plant? I can't have five inches of rain when I'm trying to plant because otherwise I won't be able to plant. Yeah. And it, it's a great product, especially if you want a little bit higher coverage than the government can offer, or if you don't have uh, the ability to buy the government coverage. The only downside to this particular product is the premiums due at the beginning when you buy the insurance. The multi-parallel, which was this one, these don't come due until we send out a bill at the end of uh, September. So you have the growing season, you can pay your bill out of your profits from the farm. Oh, cool. So, so does that cover like hail and high wind tornadoes, things like that, or what? Uh, this particular one that's the multi-parallel that the government offers, it covers everything. Uh -huh. Every weather-related event, it also covers fire, mm. hurricanes, volcanoes. We don't have a lot of volcanoes out here. No, but I think we're okay it. there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. mm. But it also covers for insects and diseases on the plant. Is there a certain um, window with that as well that you set? This, is, this you have to buy by March 15th. And it... The insurance lasts until I think the end of the insurance period is October 31st. So whenever you plant up to October 31st, you're covered in this particular product, the multi-parallel. Whereas this one, you pick and choose your time period. So I'm, based on, I'm only worried about frost in the first week of September because that's when I plan on harvesting and we can run a quote based on frost that first week of September, wherever you live. Okay. And, and this, the Arbol insurance, it, it doesn't, it's not dependent on whether your crop succeeds or fails. Correct. It's just dependent on that weather. Condition. It just depends on the weather. And do you have to have lot, land to buy that? <laughs> looks like a pretty good gamble. You could bet on the weather, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing to do now. Is there an app for that? <laughs> there, there. Yes, you you can you can buy weather insurance without having seriously anything in the ground. Yes. Wow, interesting. So okay, I didn't expect a yes on that answer. Okay, interesting. We tend not to sell that, but yes, you can get insurance. You can get insurance on just about anything. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, might as well do it now since we're already on the quoting stuff. Um, Blaine mentioned that we do cover many types of crops here in the state of Michigan. And we have seems like 50 different products that are out there for cows and pigs and milk and everything else. But one of the newer products, it's been around a couple of years, but most people still don't know a lot about it. Something called SCO and ECO. SCO stands for supplemental coverage option and ECO stands for enhanced coverage option. 
it's a way of buying extra insurance on your crops, basically. Well, we have a new quoting system, and this is something I'm really excited about. We can go through each farmer, wherever they are, and it only works right now for corn and soybeans, wheat, and a few other products in certain counties, but those are the three big ones. And based on the information we put in, it can tell us at this one I ran was at 60% coverage. You would not have had a loss under your normal crop insurance. But if you had supplemental coverage, you would have had these losses. In enhanced coverage, you would have these losses. These are per acre. Like you get back $89 per acre, $38 per acre. But this number right here, this net indemnity, in this particular uh, quote I ran, I just chose Ottawa County. I live in Ottawa County, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, what this is telling me is after all the, all the uh, insurance that you got paid for, minus how much you paid us for that insurance coverage, you have a net indemnity of $346 per acre over a period of eight years. So if you're a thousand acre farmer, say you have a thousand acres of corn, you'd have $346,000 more in your pocket today if you had had these products the last eight years. Hmm. And I know a lot of farmers who could use $346,000 in their pocket. Yeah, that's new. Um, so this is something that we're really discussing. There, there's a lot more to it. Um, you know, all these numbers up here mean nothing to uh, Dave and Mike. I'm sure the emperor has seen them before, but the projected price and volatility and yields, that doesn't mean anything. But if we sat down with a farmer and went over their individual numbers, this would all make sense to them. Um, but I'm just excited that we can now quote people and tell them this is the product that you can make a lot of money um, on it based on the previous 10 years worth of history. Never, it's never a guarantee what will happen over the next 10 years, but uh, based on the history, they're pretty good products and can actually help farmers manage their money better. Mm -hmm. So farmers don't have too much longer to make decisions on this. Um, and one of the things that I'll throw a little caveat in there, if you if you want to sign into the farm programs, if you want to take this supplemental coverage here, um, you have to be into the PLC program in order to qualify for that. You Correct. Park program and do that. So just a little caveat there that if you're talking to your agent and you're talking about this and figuring out the other thing you need to make sure of is that you when you when you if you do decide to go that route. You need to be into the PLC program. So, correct. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Scott, before we get too farther along here, we're going to talk about it again. But if people want to get a hold of you or Eric um, and have them kind of go over insurance stuff with you, how would they get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, the best way is uh, contacting the cell phone number, which is 616 560. 8510. Eric's cell phone number is 616 502 
1-800-926-9746. And then our email, we have a website, covillecrop.com. My email address would be scott at covillecrop.com. And Eric's would be eric at covillecrop.com. And give them the spelling at Colville. But Colville spelled C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E. All right. Oh, no E after L. No. And actually, I will show you. There's the spelling of the last name, C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E. Don't look at these emails down here. They're different for, sure. they're for something different. <laughs> I'll, I'll share your website. How's that? There you go. Thank you. Buildcrop.com. And they've been doing that since 1967. Did I see the? That was... That's when my dad started it. Yes. Learn more, sleep better. I love the tagline. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And it's 19 degrees where you're at right now, Dave. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I want to thank you. Any last thing you want to throw in? we got a couple more minutes yet here, but any last thing you want to throw in uh, so people can think about some things and think about what they need to be doing going forward here? No, I appreciate you having us on tonight. I really believe in the hemp industry, and I think we're, we have a great future ahead of us in hemp. Um, all of the crops, or 90% of the crops, the row crops need to be insured by March 15th. The hail insured, go ahead. A quick question from my side of the point three. Do you offer cannabis insurance? I'm glad you asked that, Mike. I thought I had a company that was going to create a policy specifically for me for outdoor grown. Now there are a number of companies that can insure it indoor. Mm -hmm. I do not get involved in that at all. I never will, but outdoor grow, uh, we could not get it put together in time for this year. They've already told me it just will not come together right now. Hmm. I'm still working on that. Uh, I think part of it is, as you know, hey, Michigan hemp is legal. In the U.S., it's not legal. You deal with an insurance company who has insurance products throughout the country, and then it becomes, in their mind, it becomes illegal. If it's illegal in one state, it's illegal in all states from the underwriter standpoint. And so we're still, we're still trying to find a place that will do that for us. Because as you mentioned earlier, outdoor grown uh, cannabis is risky, very susceptible to a lot of diseases. Um, the, the, the big operations just don't do it. They're all indoors. So. Correct. Correct. And they can, they can get their insurance. We just don't offer that. Yeah. I like the outdoors. I want to be outdoors. <laughs> well, I, I just want to mention too, before we get to the hamper and his recipe, um, you know, Scott's also works on our finance committee for IHEMP Michigan. He's been an avid supporter of what we do from day one. Uh, he helps us out with the expo. So, you know, I can't thank you enough for everything you guys do for us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. We need all the help we can get. As you know. <laughs>
if you're shopping around, you're looking for crop insurance, whether it be for the hemp, whether it be for your fruits or vegetables, not too much fruit and vegetables so much, I guess fruit, I guess not so much vegetables. Um, corn, soybeans, wheat, normal crops. Uh, give these guys a shout. Let them give you, let them talk to you, let them give you a quote. I, I, I do want to say one the, at, at the beginning of this, we thought, how in the world are we going to talk about insurance for an hour? But we've done it. Yeah. Wow. I think we did a fine job. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say something, uh, Blaine. Uh, you mentioned fruit. Uh, the fruit sales are closed on November 20th, but they just came out uh, late December with a new product for apples that will be available in 2023. But the comment period is going on right now through February 14th, I believe. Yeah. And they have some exciting changes coming for the apple growers. Hmm. And I don't have the email address in front of me. You can contact me through my website. And I think they were gonna put something up on our website uh, about the new, new program. But that, that's something that if you're an apple grower, definitely check it out. Okay. Cool. How about them apples, huh? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. There. All right. Well, guys, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking the time today and sharing all that great information. Uh, again, if anybody is looking out there, Scott, one more time, give us the uh, how they can get a hold of you. You can contact uh, me on my cell phone at 616-560-8510. Eric is 616-502-9746. And our email is scott at covellcrop.com or eric at covellcrop.com. Eric? Thank you so much. How about you? You want to, want to say anything before we close out? I would just like to thank you guys for having us on today. It was uh, my pleasure. I didn't know what to expect for being my first time on, but it was a good time. Yeah, that's our goal. Yeah, and thanks for working with your dad. That's really cool that you guys can work together and have that family tradition carried on. That's that's awesome. Thank you very much. You're outstanding in your field. <laughs> you sound just like my dad. Oh, bum Mike, you were waiting for that the whole day. I the whole I was waiting for timing on that the whole session there. Yeah. Perfect timing on that. Uh, All right. So I just want to remind everybody to uh, look for great information coming out. Remember the uh, Midwest IF Expo is coming May 20th and 21st. And for those that uh, processors and farmers that want to learn about how to get uh, certified. Uh, for the uh, for the hemp seal, the U.S. Hemp Authority seal, we'll have a program on that on Thursday, May nineteenth, at the Radisson Hotel. So we'll talk about Friday night, the Hempies Awards. So yep. You get your submissions in now. That's going to be a blast to do that, mm -hmm. and a great way to promote your product and let people know what you have. So, and isn't there a Colville involved in that too? There is, there is. I believe we're going to have uh, one of the other sons. Uh, does a little DJing on the side, and uh, he's going to come and be our DJ for that. So awesome. we're, looking, we're looking forward to a fun time for that, for sure. So And there's a rumor going around that Blaine's going to wear a tuxedo. Now, I, I'm just <laughs> sources have told me that. I don't know if it's true or not. So Well, we'll see. He's oh, got okay. a tuxedo T-shirt. No, but, Mike, you looked awful good on yours on, on night, so I may have to do that. I don't know if I can, I can outshine you, but I might have to try. So Okay. So... All right. So uh, then again, next week, 
we have uh, Annie Rouse. She's going to be on. We're going to be delving into quite a bit of the, uh, you know, the CBDA and CBGA uh, phenomenon that's going on right now with all the, all the, hop, hop, all, the um, what I say, all the news that came out about that, about how it can help with COVID. Uh, we're going to get in, into that, talk a little bit more detail on that. And then February 3rd, Seth Boone's going to be on talking about uh, carbon credits and the program that Panex Exchange has going on. So two great shows coming up in the next week. So with that, got the hat. So we're putting the hat on. Got to have the hat, they told me. So this week we're talking about roasted sweet potatoes with apricots and curry hemp seed. Mm. This luscious sweet side dish is warming to the body, satisfying, rich, and good for us. Mm. Uh, we got this from the Hemp Nut Cookbook is where we got it from. Pretty easy recipe. Uh, you know, I like things pretty easy. This particular recipe will make about four to six servings. Um, and I have to thank my, uh, my chefs today that uh, helped prepare uh, this, uh, Becky and uh, Andrea. Um, so I want to thank them for that. Yay. All right. All right. Let's so, yep, here we go, guys. Uh, we, we don't have a smell of oh, Wow, that's mm. beautiful. Yeah, nice. And that, how that's presented. Everything yes. else. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Man. Uh, so, this uh, recipe is you get uh, four to six uh, garnet or jewel sweet potatoes, you cut them into large chunks. Six to eight dried apricots are cut in half. Use some hemp seed oil, uh, four to six tablespoons uh, zest of lemons, a uh, sprinkle of sea salt, a tablespoon of curry powder, half a cup of shelled hemp seeds, and two to three springs of fresh parsley minced. And you preheat the oven to 365, and you can read the rest of it there. But it's pretty simple, super simple, super simple, and super good. Uh, and if you don't know where to get that hemp seed oil, you can. Uh, let me know and we'll be able to supply that hemp with the uh the hemp or hemp seed oil for sure so yeah excellent yeah, that's okay. we need we need smell o vision or something we so do smell o vision and taste o vision is what we need but i'll go <laughs> one last that's uh, coming so we've upped the game uh you know there we go beautiful told you i'd be doing that so yeah good work good work well, so there we have this recipe and a lot of recipes on the website uh, that you can use with hemp and hemp-related products. So now, we're, now that we've got the full screen, raise that up one more time because before it was pretty small. Well, here, let me uh, spotlight you here. Okay, got me there. Oh we yeah, there look we at that. Mmm. <laughs> and you can, yeah. did you can the see green the green parsley is. Uh... The green <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty interesting. There's full screen. There. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so. All right. Well, thank everybody again. Uh, again, if you need to get to talk about crop insurance, we've got two great guys here, Scott and Eric, that can help you out. We'll work, work you through that. And uh, next week, we'll be glad to see you back here again. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Scott. Good to see you, Mike and Blaine. Okay. Next week. Thank you for listening to the IHEMP Michigan podcast. Have a question, comment, or suggestion? Email dave at ihempmichigan.com.